Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom today. I hope you're enjoying a warm day in the Valley of the Sun. My guest is Larry Anderson, pastor of North Church in Scottsdale. One fine guy. Larry, thanks so much for being with me today. Mark, thank you for having me. It's a privilege. So give us, let's start where you are now at North Church, and then we're going to backtrack over the course of your life. Tell us um, how long has North Church been going, where you're located, what your vision is. Yeah, well, uh, we, um, uh, our church started out originally as a campus of Scottsdale Bible, and then we, um, uh, my wife and I moved out here about uh, 10 or 11 years ago, and uh, probably seven years ago, we uh, made a decision with the Scottsdale Bible uh, Church to plant North, mm-hmm. and we became North Bible Church then. Uh, we're in a warehouse in North Scottsdale, right down the street from the Scottsdale Quarter, and uh, we call we call it the Beloved Warehouse. <laughs> and uh, North is a, a great non-denominational church. It's a Bible church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have contemporary worship. We have expository preaching. Uh, we have a high commitment that we take Jesus very seriously, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's a help, isn't it? It really is a help. I, I, I It's taken a long time for me to get that part of the equation down, yeah. you know, because I, I've really felt like it really does depend on me. And that if I didn't keep pushing, maybe the church would fall apart. And that's not a healthy attitude. That got me in trouble just by because... As you know, as a pastor, there's more things to worry about than you possibly have capacity to deal with, right? Yeah, and we're blessed uh, by having a, just a wonderful team of people that uh, serve together, both um, pastors and staff and uh, members of our church. So I feel like we have great support, and I really don't feel like I carry it. Um, but periodically, I have to. The Lord has to remind me that uh, this is this is about Him. And his kingdom, right, and not about my church. Yep, that's something that I need to be reminded of every time I've got somebody up there that's supposed to give a three-minute testimony, and now it's past five <laughs> minutes, and they're still going strong. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Or uh, I remember the early days of service would start supposed to start at ten o'clock or whatever, and I'd watch the worship team end their practice and start walking towards the bathroom and it's already 10 o'clock and I'm like, hey, hold on, you guys, we got a job to do. People are ready to go. I know. It, it, timing is always a challenge. And, and you know, I used to just blame uh, Arizona, but I think it's, I think it's a, a worldwide phenomenon that uh, people, people don't start coming into church until it's time for the worship service to start. Right, right. And uh, so you always got that going for you. Yeah, and the worship team, my worship team would, would be like, well, we need to have worship longer because, we, you know, half the church isn't even there till the second song. And I said, well, maybe they're trying to give you a message. They already have enough of it. You know? Yeah, we try We try all kinds of countdowns. And, and you know, I think we have spectacular music. So yeah. um, I, I, I kind of feel sorry for folks that, that miss even part of that first song because it's right. always so good. Yeah. Well, I agree. But, and it's something the Lord has to do in people's hearts. You know, 
the Lord has to meet people in worship, and people have to allow themselves to meet the Lord in the midst of worship. My guest is Larry Anderson from North Church. We're going to be talking about a lot of things um, from Larry's life. He is a wealth of wisdom and understanding, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. Stay tuned to Koinonia. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and my interview today is with Larry Anderson, North Church. Larry, let's start way back when. Where'd you come from? Where were you born? How'd you find Christ? Well, Mark uh, had a great blessing, uh, born in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and my parents were from there, um, and my father was an Assembly of God minister, and we grew up. Uh, part of our years, he pastored churches, and part mm-hmm. of those years, he traveled and and uh, spoke in uh, evangelistic really? meetings. And so we we spent a good number of our summers as I was growing up, uh, tagging along and going from city to city and being part of all of that. Uh, Boy, that's a that's a blessing and also a big challenge because most guys just barely make enough to survive financially in that situation, right? Yeah, you know what? We were um, we were one of those most of those guys. Yeah, so, uh, that was our family. living by faith. Yes, huh? yes. And God, well, tell us how God provided. Well, you know, m- one of my favorite stories. Uh, my parents before they had kids, they were traveling. My dad would be speaking. He was also a spectacular musician. Uh-huh. Play a keyboard and uh, just could pick up anything and play it but they would uh they would do revivals at churches and mm-hmm. and one particular little church that they were uh were in um ran out of money and so they they paid my parents uh with a hundred pound sack of pinto beans <laughs> and my dad used to talk about how how my mom learned to cook pinto beans in so many different ways and so creative that it was just uh, it was amazing to watch. So and that was how, a little before. How me. many brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, two brothers and a sister. And did everybody go on the road together? We all went together. We had a 30-foot Airstream trailer, uh-huh. and we piled my parents and four kids into that trailer and, and um, uh, hit the road in the summers. And that's, You know, uh, the yeah. irony of that is... Um, the the guys who travel the bigger the the bigger the ministry they have the um, more money they get in honorariums and the guys who have smaller ministries who haven't written best selling books mm-hmm. who really could use the mon- money they get the smaller honorariums right yeah. if if you know in those days if you got an honorarium yeah uh, there, there were all kinds of creative ways that they subsidize those those revivals and uh-huh. uh, or they might just uh, take a special offering on a Sunday morning or something yeah. and so you were sort of 
uh, kind of at the grace or the mercy of the place that you had agreed to preach, and so that was that was sort of the old days. You don't you don't hear about that much anymore. Yeah, now they have contracts practically. <laughs> so, um, was your dad a pretty good preacher? You know what, my dad was gifted communicator, mm-hmm. and um, he had a flair uh, uh-huh. that was uh, for the for those particular times and and in that particular culture. It worked. Uh, yeah, huh? it really worked. And I, I remember uh, how proud I was of him years and years later when he was pastoring a church and he got a computer and he started preparing these three-point sermons and uh-huh. and showing me the outlines. And, and I thought, you know, uh, what what a, you know, how courageous to, to kind of continue to grow and learn and yeah. develop those skills. So when he was a, a pastor, he finished uh, pastoring a an Assembly of God church in California for a number of years uh, that he really grew in that area. And, you know, because you need to, you need to, now you don't just have your four best messages right, now and you take right. them on the road, but you, you have to show up every Sunday in the right. same place and be prepared. And, and he really took that seriously and grew in that. Well, area. And, and uh, for our listeners, that's one of the big challenges of being a pastor. Um, preaching to the same people week in and week out, year in and year out. For me, it's been over 30 years now in the same place. And you can't tell your same old stories <laughs> that often. You know what I mean? You, well, every five to seven years, you can redo one. and <laughs> You can try. Yeah. But you've got you've to keep learning and growing. Otherwise, um, you just lose people for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. You have to continue. You study um, time with the Lord, those things are so critical. Uh, I always feel like when I'm when I'm preaching at North Bible Church, I um, I feel like I'm talking to family. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm not one of those pastors that just wakes up in the morning looking for a place to preach. Yeah. But I love t- to share what Christ is doing, uh, teaching me uh, in my life with the family at North Bible Church, and um, and, and so that's that's a great privilege. And, and I, to me, that's that's the essence of what good preaching is. And and sometimes I, I'm listening to somebody preach, and I'm thinking, "Come on, man, get real with me for just a minute, okay? Tell me how you're really feeling, or what you're sure. really thinking, or what you're really experiencing." Because Jesus said, "What I whisper in your ear, shout it from the rooftops." And and basically, what he's saying is, when I'm speaking to you, that's your message. That's the message I want you to give other people. And we're either hearing from the Lord and growing um, or getting corrected or we're not. Well, you know, we have a, a little commitment on our uh, team at North Bible that uh, says that um, that 80% of ministry is invisible, mm-hmm. that, that, that uh, who you are in Christ is more important than anything you do. Yeah. And so if you're not growing in your own personal relationship with Christ, if you're not learning, if you're, you're not going forward, uh, then, then you don't have much to offer in that 20% that people see on Sunday mornings. And so we, we really feel strongly as a whole staff team uh, that, that our own personal growth in Christ and our growth as a team and being people of prayer and having a focus on Christ is is absolutely the most critical part of our ministry. And so what do you do now? You've been following the Lord for over 40 years, right? Yeah, 50 long years, time. long mm-hmm. time. We're going to we'll find out your personal story in a few minutes, but what do you do to keep yourself fresh? How do you allow the Lord to feed your soul and keep growing? I you know, I uh 
I think it's a constant challenge, but I try hard um, to have a, a time with the Lord um, that is not driven a, by a sermon. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I try to ha- keep my my own personal devotional time devotions separate. and prayer time and uh, time with the Lord separate uh, from sermon preparation because mm-hmm. those two things can get uh, blended together right. so easily right. and and I've I've heard pastors say you know if it wasn't for sermon preparation I don't I don't know if I would you know I wouldn't spend time with the Lord or I uh, that's how I spend time with the Lord and and I feel like that I need time for the Lord to speak to me as a person yeah. as a, as a man as a husband as a father uh, before I even attempt uh, to hear from the Lord as a preacher yeah that's the way I am too and yet. I, I struggle with that in the sense sometimes that, okay, I'm going to read. I my I, For years I read four chapters of the Old Testament and four mm-hmm. chapters of the New Testament every day and had prayer time and then did my sermons. But as our church has grown, I'm at two chapters in the <laughs> Old Testament, two chapters of the New Testament. But sometimes when I'm feeling the pressure of getting the sermon done, I, it's like bleeding into that time. It's like, okay, I just got to get this done because I've got work to do here. No, I, and that's I, a I'm challenge, you. isn't it? It really is a challenge. And I, I typically, I, I default, uh, I'm not one that will say uh, two chapters or four chapters, mm-hmm. but but I, I default into the Psalms uh, every day. Um, I'll read something from the Psalms, and, and rarely uh, do I get through a full chapter in, in one of the Psalms. But you know, before um, I really feel like that, I need to stop and and, and have um, your prayer and let yeah, the word sink into know, my heart. Yeah, and, uh, and then I'll uh, I try to read from the Gospels every day, mm-hmm. and then uh, then I'll I'll read through one of the epistles. But uh, but I don't have um, I don't have a goal in terms of how much I need to read. My goal is. I'm going to read until I feel like the Lord stops me, until he speaks to me, until I yeah. I feel like there's something I need to spend some time with here. Well, that's more mature than my way. <laughs> my way is, my is well, <laughs> but the truth is once the Spirit's making something alive, mm-hmm. that's probably all you're going to get that day or that session. So you ought to just let it settle in. And that's how I started reading the Bible as uh, when I'm 20 years old and I'd just start reading and then something would come alive to me. Mm-hmm. And that was God speaking to me. I, I love the uh, Henry Blackaby Experiencing yeah. God series, which is when the Spirit makes something alive, that is an experience with God. That is yeah. God talking to you. But don't over-spiritualize it or underestimate the significance of it. No, that's exactly right. And, and I was blessed uh, years ago to uh, be friends with a few uh, men, um, uh, Brendan Manning, one mm-hmm. of them, who uh, always would challenge challenge us that, you know, that reading the Psalms, for example, is, isn't an act of reading, but it's an act of listening. Uh-huh. And, and how, how, how you read through the Scripture as a listening exercise as opposed to uh, a reading exercise and information exercise, and and I, I've tried to continue to practice that. But you're right; uh, you, you feel the pressure of of uh, you. You got a sermon. We we have a joke around our, our staff that Sundays come every week. Yeah, uh, they, they you know, and you don't they, relentless. You don't skip Sundays sometimes. Yeah. They come every week, and so it is relentless. And and so there there is a, at some point a pressure that says, you know what, um, I have to be prepared and. 
Um, but but I, I remember listening to Oz Guinness one time, a uh, prolific author, brilliant yeah. man, uh, and, and he, he talked about sermons being a thus saith the Lord moment. Mm-hmm. And how do you create a thus saith the Lord moment? Um, and, and I think it's bigger than sermon prep, but it really is, has the Lord spoken to me this week. And yeah. so somehow finding that balance with my devotional time, but also in, as I prepare a sermon that I'm still trying to listen. And Lord, what are you saying to me this week? Well, that's the, the attitude I try and put into it is if this was my last message mm-hmm. to our church, yeah. what would I say? Because you know, you never know when it's going to be your last message. Sure. And there's something about, you know, the, the first Peter four concept of let him who speaks, speak as one who is speaking the oracles of God. You know, right. you really do want to say, this is what the Lord has to say to us. And we need to take it to heart. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you, you know, I, I don't get it right all the time. And I'm, uh, I sort of meander my, my way through. Um, but uh, I think the Lord uh, knows my intentions. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware of his grace in the process. My guest is Larry Anderson, pastor of North Bible Church, one of the great churches in this valley. And uh, we're going to find out how Larry came to know the Lord himself as a young man. And he's got an incredibly fruitful family that we're going to find out about as well. When we come back, stay tuned to Koinonia. back. My guest is Larry Anderson. Larry, we want to find out how you really began to follow Jesus. You were raised in a Christian home. Your dad was a traveling evangelist. How did your faith come alive? Well, Mark, uh, I, uh, I knew that I'd lived a hard life. Mm-hmm. And so when I was five years <laughs> old, uh, I went forward and uh, my father was pastoring a church in, uh, in Missouri at the time. And uh, we, I went forward on a Sunday, my father's church, and, uh, you know, in that uh, the Assembly of God culture, you, you go to the altar and right. confess your sins, you uh, ask the Lord into your life, and, um, and then just to make sure you, you know, you do it again the next week. And yeah. I did it, I don't know how many times growing up, but starting when I was five, mm-hmm. and really never uh, forgot that commitment. Uh, what I chose to do later on was compartmentalize my life a little mm-hmm. bit. And so I'd have my church life and my school life and my, mm-hmm. you know, social life and athletics and all of those things and try to keep all those things separate as much as I could. But I but I always knew that um, I had a relationship with Christ and my parents were godly people who set a great example. Uh, so I was very much blessed in that way. Well, that's really neat. So how did you decide to get into ministry? You know, um, when I was uh, getting ready for high school, um, we bumped into Young Life, and uh, when I discovered Young Life, it was uh, it was a great awakening in my life. I, I found a place that I could 
uh, combine my faith in Christ with my school life. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I met people, uh, older students at Saguaro High School here in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. uh, who who loved Christ and uh, but were also good athletes, well liked people, uh, I just jumped into that uh, full force. And so I was very involved in Young Life all through high school. Uh, our Young Life leader. Uh, Dr. Bob Matson, and his wife, really Lee, he was a local, he was a family practice doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan Webb, others that are young life leaders in those days, really cared for us. Uh, they discipled us. They taught us how to have quiet times. They really helped us think through difficult uh, challenges for high school kids. When I graduated from Suaro, uh What I, sports did you play at Suaro? I played f- uh, football and, and was uh, ran track. Mm-hmm. So those two sports, I continued in football a couple of years after high school. Um, but uh, my sophomore year in high school, I was at the Saguaro High Young Life Club. They were opening this new school called Chaparral. Mm-hmm. And uh, some kids were coming saying, we want a Young Life Club at our high school. So when I was 19, um, somebody went brain dead for just a few seconds, and they let me go start a Young Life Club at Chaparral High School. Really? So, at How 19, fun was that? It was very fun at 19 years old and had this little team of friends, and we went over and started a Young Life Club and actually led that club for 10 years. Did you really? Yeah. And so did you get married during that 10 years? Well, you know what? It, that, yes, I did. I had, I had really started out um, in college because of my background. I, I really just wanted to make money. And so I, I started in, in... Because you're raised pretty poor. You By then you began to realize. So as a kid, that's the only life you know, right? But by then you realize we were broke. To, when you start <laughs> to figure that out. Uh, so I, I really wanted to just make money. Uh, the thing that happened to me is that this Young Life Club at Chaparral High School just took off. And, and kids were meeting Christ and it was growing and it was... All kinds of things were happening. And, and I, I realized, you know what? The Lord's given me a gift here. So I changed majors and... and uh, um, Where were you going to church in those days? Uh, you know, I was going to church at uh, Assembly of God Church in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. Scottsdale First Assembly, and uh, during those college years. Mm-hmm. But really, my, my, my fellowship was probably as much in young life yeah. as it was in, in anything at that point. And then, I, um, uh, and then as I was getting ready to graduate from high school or college at Arizona State, an opportunity came. Uh, for me to join the Young Life staff. So you were on the Arizona State football team for a couple of years. I played at Mesa Community for a couple okay. of years. And then I decided uh, that it was time to retire. <laughs> the guys got pretty big guys and fast. guys got really big and fast and scary. And so <laughs> I uh, I wisely retired at that point. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then I finished my last two years at, at ASU. So 10 years as a Young Life leader, when did it become full-time for you? Uh, it became full-time that first year uh, out of college, I, um, I I graduated in May and uh, spent the summer at a Young Life camp uh, working and then came on the staff that September and got married the next January. So lots of change, lots of things in my, my life at that point. But I, but I came on the Young Life staff uh, the fall of 1975, right out of college. And uh, then I was on the Young Life staff for uh, 30 years. 30 years. Yep. So the one thing that didn't change is you did stay broke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I never figured that part out. <laughs> okay. So you got married and, and 10 years at Chaparral and then in Young Life, new doors opened up. What were those? Well, I yeah, at t- uh, 10 years in, my responsibilities had grown. Uh, we had, We started with the Scottsdale 
area and Scottsdale mm-hmm. schools, which at the time, the PV schools and Scottsdale schools were all together in one mm-hmm. school district. Um, we, um, uh, and, and then I, uh, um, uh, then, then as my responsibilities grew, I became the Metro director for Metropolitan Phoenix and then the regional director for the state of Arizona. Uh, so as my responsibilities grew, I uh, handed the Chaparral Club off to a dear friend, Jeff Tebalt, and, um, and we started a club at Horizon High School and kind of grew from there. Wow. And Young Life in Arizona has got to be one of the most fruitful ministries in the whole state, but also as a state in your international organization, it's got to be one of the most fruitful areas of Young Life in the world, isn't it? You know what? It really, the, the Lord's really blessed that uh, the Young Life ministry. Uh, Arizona is still, to this day, a very strong uh, ministry to kids and, and has sent people out like Marty Caldwell and mm-hmm. others who have a tremendous impact all around the world. And so, yeah, it, it really has been a privilege uh, to watch. It's a privilege to have been part of that, uh, help launch some of those initiatives. And, and, and so, I, yeah, I really uh, am grateful for what the Lord's done. So tell us about your family life. You you got married, you're in ministry together, you started having kids. Tell us about your family and, and how you brought your kids up in the Lord. You bet. Well, my wife and I just last January celebrated our 40th anniversary. So she deserves sainthood, first uh-huh. of all. I, I've, I'm a charter member of the Married Up Club. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, Jenna and I have been married 40 years. We have three sons. One of the things, Mark, that was really significant to me is that I did not want to look back on my life and feel like I had tried to save the world's kids and I'd lost my own. Yeah. And so my own family uh, was always a very, very high priority for me. Um, Jenna did a spectacular job. Um, she, she brings the depth and wisdom to it, you know, and I'm the goofball dad. But um, but I love I, I tell people all the time, they, they what does it take to be a good dad? And I said, you know, one of the most important ingredients is you have to love being a dad. And I absolutely love being a dad. I still do. I love being a dad right now as much as I ever had. So uh, we had three sons, Caleb, Josh and and Aaron and um one of the things I did you is... You spent a lot of time in the Old Testament as yeah, a young man, exactly. You? <laughs> it's a simply God roots, you know. But uh, one, one of the things that I did when Caleb turned five, um, I, I coached his first soccer team. Mm-hmm. And so then I would take my second son, Josh, and I wanted to be his... I wanted to be all of my boys' first coach. Oh, yeah. To make sure they had a great experience. Uh, what I didn't expect is that I would end up coaching soccer for 12 years uh-huh. and uh, coach my boys. And, and go you back knew and... so much about soccer, right? Yeah, I was typical. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I bought a book and went to one clinic, and yeah. then I was a coach. Well, I, you did more than me because <laughs> uh, I uh, basically taught my uh, soccer team everything I knew about soccer in the first 15 minutes, and then we scrimmaged exactly. <laughs> from then on. You know? Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I joke with people that after 12 years, I still didn't know very much about right. soccer, <laughs> uh, but I loved kids, and uh-huh. kids loved being on the team. And uh, so I, I just, it, but it, for me, it was a great discipline because, mm-hmm. as you know, in ministry, you, you know, you can make it. It's going to be a 24 right. 7 deal. And so every Tuesday and Thursday, I had a, I had a, my schedule. I needed to be at a practice at four and um, pick up wh- whichever son or all three of them yeah. 
uh, be at practice on Saturdays. Uh, I was on the on the field. I allowed myself to miss one game a season when I was coaching. Uh, so I said no to a lot of things mm-hmm. during those years uh, in, in order to be a, 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 you know, really I did it to be a good dad. I, I, wanted, I was an okay soccer coach, but I was really trying hard to be a good dad. So th- we did that for a- all of those years growing up. So I want people to hear what your sons are doing today before we get any more parental wisdom from <laughs> you. Well, you know, and this, this, is, this is the um, – this could be the fatal flaw question because I could talk about my family all day. Um, but uh, my oldest son, Caleb, uh, is the lead pastor of Mariners Huntington Beach. So he lives in Huntington Beach, California. He's the lead pastor of a church, a great church. Of over a thousand people, mm-hmm. right? In Huntington Beach. He's uh, done really, uh, God's just blessed. It's been quite a journey for him. But he mm-hmm. and his wife, and they have two little boys. Uh, love that. Um, I encourage you, September 1, uh, Caleb uh, has a book coming out. Uh, it's, it'll be his second book, uh, and uh, this book's published by David C. Cook. It's called uh, The Favor of Kings, and it's a leadership book uh, based on the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Wonderful. Maybe we'll have him in as a guest yeah, when this book be, comes out. Yeah, that would be fun. We'll, we'll get him out here for that. That would be great. Uh, our middle son, Josh, um, went to Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with a girl at Wheaton, and we've never gotten him back. Uh, so he lives in Chicago. He was on the football team as quarterback. He was a quarterback wasn't he? at you know for Wheaton College. And they had an and, excellent uh, team. Yeah, they did. Uh, um, they went to the playoffs his junior and senior year, and uh, had some great seasons there. But Josh has this heart for um, down and out kids, and he he taught special ed for a number mm-hmm. of years. And the Lord kept drawing him into full-time ministry. He got a master's in special ed, taught special ed for some years, and then uh, went on the staff of his church, took a year off to do pastoral studies and take Greek and do all those things. And now he's a pastor in Aurora, outside of Chicago, uh, of Redeemer Community Church in Aurora, Illinois, and a, a great pastor. And your youngest son? Aaron, our youngest, is the worship pastor at North Bible Church, and that's been one of the the most fun things that I've ever done. And I just want to say congratulations for having three sons that are following in your footsteps, Larry. That's absolutely awesome. My guest is Larry Anderson. He's a pastor of North Bible Church. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and my guest is Larry Anderson. Larry, all three of your sons are following in your footsteps. If you were to give some advice to young parents, they're just starting out, and even maybe somebody involved in ministry, uh, how do they keep the faith of their family alive with the pressures of uh, professional job and that sort of thing? Mark, the first thing that always comes to my mind, uh, besides just the grace of God, uh, is my wife, Jenna, um, created such, um, she loves being a mom mm-hmm. and she created such a, a warm, 
uh, healthy space for our boys at home. Uh, and then uh, the, the second thing that uh, I always think about is I made a decision that there was going to be a point in my son's lives where, um, you, you know, they used to do things because dad told them. Right. And there was going to be a point in their lives where they began to think abstractly. And now they're going to start to say, well, OK, but why do I have to do this? And why is it important? And just because my dad thinks it's important doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it's important to me. And as they began to uh, begin to ask those questions uh, and make decisions apart from their dad, what what would be the whose other faces would mm-hmm. be popping up in their minds? And and so I really wanted to be strategic about uh, for three sons that there would be other men uh, that that they would want to emulate other men that when they were making big decisions in their life, that they would think about what would he do. So you wanted community. You, you weren't just into having a ministry. You wanted to build relationships with other families that where they really had loved Jesus like you guys. And, and we felt like that was really important. In fact, we were talking about this um, probably yesterday with my son, Aaron, and, and uh, that when our sons would have birthdays, uh, it was so funny because we would uh, say, who do you want to invite to your birthday? And it was always these men mm-hmm. uh, in their lives that they loved and respected. And, and so we would end up having two birthday parties because we'd say, well, don't you want some kids your own age? And, mm-hmm. and so we'd have the little kids' birthday party first, and then all the older guys would show up uh, later, and we'd have pizza and, and, and a second party because those men were so important to our sons. Yeah. That's really, really neat. Um, so, Larry, what are some of the things that, are on your heart. If you were speaking to the whole church in this valley, we're having a big conference, and right today the conference is just those listening to this radio program, but um, what are some of the themes that you think the body of Christ needs to hear in this valley? Well, thank you for asking, Mark. I I think one thing on my my heart would be that we would have an urgency uh, for Christ, that uh, we would maybe get a little bit desperate not to change culture, not to change laws, but we would get a little desperate to know Jesus, to walk with Christ, uh, to have him uh, lead our lives, um, and that our relationship with Christ would take a new sense of urgency and depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that I would want to talk about, and we do in our church all the time, is, is that I feel like every one in the body of Christ needs to have some friends that they can't lie to, mm-hmm. that we need to live in community, that we need to have people in our lives that we're transparent with. You're, you're not going to be transparent with everybody. You're not going to be totally vulnerable with everybody. Mm-hmm. But do you have some people in your life that you're doing life with uh, that you really feel like, you know what, I, I, I'll, I can't lie to them. If I'm not doing well, then I, I'm not going to tell them that I am doing well, but that I'm going to be serious about this community. I'm going to be serious about these uh, relationships. And and so we've kind of make it part, we try to make it part of our church that that um, people stick because they want to be known mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that they desire a, a sense of community. So I work as hard as I can to memorize names, to know people. Our staff does that. Our elders do that. People in our church and other areas of leadership, uh, because I, I do believe people want to be known. And then I believe that we all uh, need to live in community. And I know that most people have been in church for a long time, have been burned by that, and they've, you know... I'm not sure that they've been burned by community. Sometimes they get burned because leaders flake out. 
Yeah. And some, I mean, community does have a painful dynamic, just like family has a painful dynamic, exactly. right? I mean, people are going to have others that take advantage or that aren't responsible, but that's true in family. And if you're going to love people, that's part of life. But you can't really do church without loving one another with all your heart, can you? Well, you you can't. And, and it seems to me is the longer I live in the Gospels, the, the, the more obvious it is to me that Jesus set it up this way. And, mm-hmm. and he set the bar himself. You know, he said, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. Mm-hmm. And, and he loved us by giving his life for us. And, and that's a pretty high bar. And, and can we love each other with that same kind of intensity, that same kind of intentionality that, that Jesus did? And, and, and I feel like that, that that's part of the challenge in, in the church is that, uh, you, you know, worship is awesome and everybody has a different style of worship and preaching is, you know, awesome. And there's lots of different styles of preaching. You can be expository. You can be a storyteller. You know, there's all kinds of ways. But, there, there, you know, there's uh, but we all need to have these relationships. We all need to live in community. We all need to figure out in spite of differences, in spite of conflicts, how do we love each other the way Christ has loved us? And it seems to me that that's a goal that Christ gave us and that we need to continue to pursue it, even if it seems really hard. Yeah. Well, to me, that's what it's all about. It's not rocket science. It's mm. it's literally just applying the Word of God. And you and I have gotten to know each other in pastor's meetings yep. because we both believe that it's important for the body of Christ to have unity, that there's a treasure in North Bible, there's a treasure in Scottsdale Bible, in Living Streams, in Phoenix First Assembly, or whatever. And if if the leaders are in relationship, if we can love one another, then the grace of God that's deposited in all of our ministries can flow, and the whole body of Christ is enriched. I agree, and I, I think you know what's fascinating is that uh, when you don't know these pastors, it's easy just to think of them as a church, mm-hmm. as a pastor, um, you know, but when you get to know them and you find out what really fine people they are and that they have great hearts, um, boy, it, it encourages you to pray for yeah. them. You want to cheer for them. And uh, so I really have valued and uh, appreciated the the time that we've we've had together and the privilege it is for uh, for some of us to meet on a regular basis. So what are you preaching on these days? Well, we're kind of having fun this summer. We're doing a series um, that we um, unashamedly borrowed from Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called oh, oh, The Places We'll Go. Uh-huh. And uh, so w- there's two parts to it, really. W- one is that we're preaching sermons on uh, what do you do when you find yourself in a place that you never dreamed you'd be? Uh-huh. Uh, that that God opens a door or he closes a door or just suddenly find yourself thrust into a situation or a place that you never dreamed you would be. How do we learn to trust the Lord in the middle of those? What do, what do we do? Uh, and, and then the second part of it is that we've made a poster. And uh, as people vacation, as people travel around really the whole world during the summer, uh, they've take these posters and they send us back pictures of all the places they are mm-hmm. going. And we keep in touch with the church family that way. And it's been really fun. It's, Post that's, them on- it's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. In the kind of churches we pastor, somebody in the church is somewhere in the world at all times and all exactly. kinds of various yeah. places. So it's really been a fun way to reconnect. But uh, because 
because in the summer in Phoenix, everybody's trying to get out of town, yeah. uh, you kind of have a, almost a different congregation every week mm-hmm. sometimes. And so uh, we have some fun in the summer. Our uh, high school pastor will preach or, uh, you know, our missions and outreach pastor will preach. Our middle school pastor is going to preach and, and we'll do some creative things. But it's all around that theme of, oh, the places we'll go. And, and what do I do when I find myself in a place that I never dreamed I'd be? How do I respond to Christ? How do I see the Lord in the middle of it? How do I respond to the opportunities that Christ puts in front of me? So we really have been having fun with it. That sounds really neat. So um, you mentioned Brendan Manning earlier. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that God uses in all of our lives different people to sort of like be mentors to us. and. And uh, I'd like you to talk about maybe a little bit about him and maybe some others who have God has used to be a mentor to you. Well, you know, the Lord used Brennan. He, he um, I, I did a, uh, you know, for me, uh, Brennan had been a Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. I had not spent a lot of time in Catholic churches. And, and so his approach and his thoughtfulness and his humility, um, humility was amazing to me. Uh, I did a silent retreat with him one time. I really learned to be quiet. I learned to uh, solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I learned to reflect on the Psalms and the Gospels through through Brennan. And so I feel like I've had um, a couple of sets of mentors in my life. I've had some people who have just been mentors to me, physically men mm-hmm. that uh, have influenced me. Uh, some of the men who have gone before had gone before me in young life. Uh, certainly my parents. Um, and then I feel like there's some authors who um, have also been mentors to me through their writings and that I feel like I've grown and I've I, I've really become to think of them as friends and, and really think of them as mentors through their writings. Give, give us a couple of names of uh, authors that you've really appreciated over the years. Well, uh, another Catholic preach was Henry Nouwen. Mm-hmm. That uh, was a tremendous influence on, on me. Um, I have read uh, Eugene Peterson mm-hmm. and his writings. Uh, he, he, in, in first book of Eugene Peterson's I ever read was called Working the Angles. And I'll never forget in the preface of the book, he mentioned uh, that he knew a lot of pastors that had left the ministry. Mm-hmm. He said the problem was they hadn't quit their jobs yet. They just left the ministry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I've never forgotten that. And, and through his writings, um, in fact, I just gave our middle school pastor, we just ordained recently a, a, a copy of Eugene Peterson's memoir called A Pastor. Yeah, that's it's a, a good book. A huh? book, yes. Um, I like the story in there about him getting in a fight with a bully. And, you know, <laughs> I forget how it goes. He's punching the guy in the face and saying, do you have you... Do you accept Jesus now, or something like that? You know? <laughs> he's he's a great uh, a, a great character. Uh, John Ortberg uh, is has been an influence. Dallas Willard was a mm-hmm. significant um, uh, influence through his writing. Gordon McDonald, significant influence through his writing, and, and then some men. Uh, most of the mentors, the men that I would consider mentors in my life. N- n- very few people have ever heard of, uh-huh. uh, but they loved Christ, and they were leaders, and they were men of great courage. Uh, Bill Starr had been one of the presidents of Young Life, and he's been a significant um, m- mentor yeah. uh, in my life. And so people like that, that, that maybe the world doesn't know, but for me, uh, they're giants in the faith. David Stockton was preaching at Living Streams on Sunday, and he was talking about this book he read called Seven Great Souls or something like that. And one of them was Pope John II. And 
the guy that made the biggest impression on him was a tailor, a Polish tailor nobody had ever heard of, you know, who was like a light shining in a dark place. And that's really the way God's kingdom is set up. You know, you, if you can be nobody special in the eyes of the world, but your downline reward's going to be awesome because of the couple of people that you mentor and lead to Christ, you know. That's what it's all about. And it's been one of the reasons I always challenge my sons to choose impact over position. Where does your life have the most impact? Don't strive for a position or a title, but where can your life have the most impact? And those men that have had an impact in my life weren't men of great titles and positions. They were men that cared about me and loved Christ. Amen. My guest is Larry Anderson. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap up the program in just a minute. Welcome back. Um, my name's Mark Buckley, and I'm from Living Streams, and my guest is Larry Anderson. Larry, tell people how to find North Bible, uh, how to get you on your website and get to one of your services. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, our website uh, is NBC, North Bible Church, nbcaz.org. And uh, so you can uh, find out more about us uh, on our website. And then uh, our church, we're in... Uh, a big remodeled warehouse right down the street from the Scottsdale Quarter. Uh, we're on the corner of 76th Street in the Greenway Hayden Loop. Uh, we have services at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. And um, it's a very friendly, very warm, very relational place. And we have a rule that I think we ought to laugh at least once every Sunday. Oh, yeah. I I just prefer if it's not at me, but it's with me. That's my goal. But um, but it's a great place. It's a fun place to be. Well, thanks so much for being my guest here today, Larry. It's been a privilege. Um, my name's Mark Buckley, and if you ever want to visit us at Living Streams, we're on the corner of Central and Glendale, right in the middle of the valley. And you can look us up on the web at livingstreams.org. Or uh, stop by one of our services, 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you just overslept one of Larry's services, you're still not late to ours. So come on by. And whatever you do, find that community Larry's talking about. Learn to love your brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. And when he commands us, it's in our best interest to obey because that's when he reveals himself. Thanks for being with us on Koinonia. God bless.